Hello, everyone, and welcome to In Her Space. I'm your host, Irene Waite. In Her Space is your source of inspiration for faith and spirituality, health, family, love and relationships, professional development, community, and just life. My desire with this podcast is to create a space for me, for you, for us, to share our perspective, to inspire one another, and to give voice to our experiences. Today, we have in the studio the beautiful Miss Felicia Chappelle, actress, writer, and producer. Miss Chappelle developed a series titled Our Stories, Our Minds, Our Bodies, Our People with the intention of healing community relationships through arts and entertainment. Her most recent play, Interrupted Motherhood, shares her journey of emotional healing and also she is the co-host of Talk To Me radio show where she, along with Dr. Vanita Kelly, discusses topics that impact our culture, the community, and the world. We are honored to have Miss Chappelle as a guest on In Her Space. So we want to welcome our listening audience to Miss Felicia Chappelle. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here, Irene Wade. You have no idea how grateful I am that you reached out to me and that we found this time and we're going to have this conversation. I am too. I'm so thankful. You know, I, when I talked to you earlier and I saw your website, and like I told you, what exuded from your page was a sense of healing and emotional healing for women. And so I just want to start out by just asking you, tell us a little bit about Felicia, who you are. Yeah, I'm um, really grateful to be living in my space. I think that you're tuning into the healing restorative element of the work that I'm doing through my art is very astute and very specific and precise because all of our experiences can be processed in various ways. And as women, we tend to do with action and demonstrate with action. And so um, turning inward and being reflective and going into that healing space has been a huge inspiration for what made me decide to get back to work. Healing. Healing is where you find you're the center of your work. That is powerful. Yeah, I like to um, I like to have fun. I like to experience life. I'm very tactile. So when I have an experience, I want it to be productive. I don't want to tune out and just be there. I want to be entertained. I want to be engaged. I want to walk away with something that just really uplifts. So when I'm doing my art, that's exactly what, what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to do that for myself, and I'm trying to do that for women. And I talk to women that come on the show in media culture. A lot of times our stories are dictated or they're spoon-fed to us. And I always ask this question, how important it is for us as women to own our stories and to share our stories? That's a very good question because I feel it. Being misinterpreted and misunderstood or being dictated to like, you know, when you said that, I know you felt this or that. Even in our personal relationships, that's always an immediate shutdown for me. If I'm trying to have a deep conversation with somebody and they let me know how I feel, I'm immediately offended. Like I can feel myself just shut down. There's defensive and there's only defensive in that. I think that's true in terms of the media as well. The media says, oh, this is what this is what the audience wants. This is what we need. We need we need the black friend or we need the the white friend or we want this balance. And none of that actually exists in our story necessarily for 
being able to effectively tell our story. That exists in the minds of people who are deciding what our story should be, how our story should be told, and what our story will mean. And I tend to have more trust in the audience. And I think that as African-American women, we really, really, really need to make a decision that says, you know what, that isn't me. Because when there was segregation and racism in that capacity, absolute segregation, we were way more clear about who we were. Mm. We were not them. Wow. And that's all we had to be. So we had our neighborhoods, we had our communities, we had our churches, we had our schools, we had our families, and we were not them. And then when integration happened, we kind of got to diversify who we actually were, and then we kind of fell away from each other. Mm. And so um, there was a loss in that as well. And I think the media will tell us what we have to look like and what we have to be like and what we have to want to be. And it isn't necessarily true, and it, it's not a prelude to storytelling. So what do you feel like is that coming together? What does that look like for you? Because you said we kind of fell away from each other. What does that coming together look like for you? The coming together looks like storytelling. The coming together looks like telling my story. So if I say this is my experience, then we've actually communicated something. And you can agree or you can disagree or you can say my experience has similitude or it can pull you out of isolation. Like I've had so many people come out of interrupted motherhood and I'm overhearing what the people are saying and I'm in the lobby and I'm filtering what they're saying and they're saying I thought I was the only one that felt that. And to to be in a whole space with 100 people exiting a space, 200, 300, 400 people, and so many of them are soundbiting, I really thought I was the only one that was experiencing that. That's really powerful. That's really, really powerful. So my presenting Interrupted Motherhood or sharing a story in a platform allows us to say those are shared experiences. Those are not. And so that takes away shame. That takes away confusion. That takes away depression. That takes away isolation. It takes away all of those divisive energies, those divisive elements, those tools of division that keep us conquered and brings us into solidarity, brings us into community, brings us into fun, pleasure, excitement, enthusiasm, communication. Yes, that's awesome. And it's like saying I'm taking back my voice and saying, this is my story, this is who I am, and now I'm going to present it to the world. Yeah, it's a, it's a really very nice thing to be able to say, this is a part of me, this is something that, that I can share with you, this is some insight. And it's amazing how much we think we know about people. I see you, and I might have a whole perception, in my mind there'll be a whole idea about who you are. And that idea and who I am may or may not actually have a point of connect. Yeah, And it's true because we don't know what individuals are going through behind the scenes. And I believe, like you said, these creative avenues give us a, a platform to begin to open up some of that. It forces us to be vulnerable in some of these spaces. Coming on, on to this show, just doing this show, it's a level of vulnerability being able to just say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk to this person and open myself up. And they open themselves up to me. That There's a level of vulnerability there. There is a level of vulnerability that definitely comes to light whenever I decide to enter a relationship. I can d- decide to enter a relationship with a friend. I can decide to enter a business relationship or a personal relationship, a partnering situation relationship, and vulnerability is going to determine the success and the authenticity of that relationship. Yes. So being willing to share art and to create a story or to create a narrative that is shared 
be it through a novel or through a stage presentation or spoken word performance or music or even interpretive dance, any of those things that become open for interpretation, I've taken a risk. I've gone into a place inside of myself. I've pulled a little piece of it out and I've shared it with everybody who wants to see it. And that vulnerability, I definitely think, puts defensiveness on the outside and says, you know, I gave a little bit, and if you give a little bit, then we're entering some kind of symbiosis that expands us, grows us, strengthens our sisterhood and our existence. Powerful. I want to talk a little bit about interrupted motherhood because for those of us who need to experience that, can you tell us in your own words what people will experience. What is Interrupted Motherhood to you? Interrupted Motherhood is a one-woman, one-act show that I wrote. I've been working in close collaboration with my partner, uh, Will Walker, who is the creative director for the project. And what we've managed to achieve is take an experience of womanhood and dissect it into all of its little pieces and bring something that is so relatable and so palatable and so enjoyable and pleasurable. It's just juicy. And so the stage presentation is about a one hour long experience. The story is Vanessa and she's processing divorce and she's processing single life and single parenthood. And all of those things are magically how she becomes somebody better than she was when she entered into a lot of adversity that she wasn't anticipating. Mm are coming out better than she was before. Transformation. Transformation. And it's so important to say, okay, we can go through these difficult things or we can, and the whole objective is to take that and to shape it into something that doesn't define our future, doesn't define who we are. It doesn't define who we become. It defines a strengthening of us so that we can move forward with appreciation and gratitude. Wow. And just really keep us in the present. Wow. So I can't help but to think, as you talked about Vanessa and the fact that she's going through divorce and she's going through these difficulties and you're displaying all of that in your creative work. I can't help but to think of women who are who have experienced trauma in their lives or they may be in financial disparity or experiencing low self-esteem or whatever it may be, because like you said, You know, our lives can be dissected into so many different areas. When it comes to empowerment and women, where do you see yourself in that piece as far as your creative work in uplifting women? It's funny because if I have something that's happened to me and it's a secret, Mm -hmm. I could live my whole life Mm self-destructing because it's a secret. The second I speak it out loud, it loses a little strength. And when I speak it out loud on stage, it loses a little strength. And I speak it out loud on stage in a room full of audience members, it loses its strength. Wow. It's no longer something. And so it can start out as something that can destroy me, something that I've experienced, something that I know is happening that I'm not responding to, something that I'm responding to but not responding to effectively. And it's just a secret. And it could, and I could take it for the rest of my life, and it could kill me. But when I it. Even if I'm rehearsing and I'm in an empty room and I'm speaking that secret through this script, it loses its strength. It's done. So releasing things and letting it go and allowing yourself to, to be open to that transformation process. Because it's clearly a process then. 
Oh, it's definitely a process. I mean, if I can look at myself, then I can change. Mm -hmm. If I can look at myself, I can change. If I can look at myself, then I can change. So instead of always having a narrative about and then fill in the blank with some external trial, obstacle, circumstance, person, there are always those. Instead of looking outside and saying, trying to manage those or trying to control those or trying to even make some space or even trying to just make my way through those, it's exhausting. Yes. And, it, you know, we've been doing it 400 years. It's exhausting. And we are exhausted. We are so <laughs> exhausted. So just diminishing the strength of those those elements by speaking them. Speaking, just speaking them, them out. out. That's right. Wow. So there's power in the spoken word. Definitely power in the spoken word. Mm. For you personally, I know you have your personal journey that you've been through that has impacted your work. How do you see your transformation from then to now? What that journey looked like for you? Well, the first thing that let me know that things were not going right Mm -hmm. is if every time I feel completely convicted about something, somebody or everybody disagrees with me, then that means I need to rethink things. Okay. Just, you know, I just feel like sometimes I've stood so strong and so staunch in my belief and my love for what I think should be. And then meet with a lot of force of resistance. So that was the first key. That's the first thing knowing if I'm meeting with resistance, then I may be right in my spirit. I may be right with the Lord. I may be right with my community, but If I'm not effective, then none of those things matter. So I could be right that I'm seeing social injustice, or I could be right that I'm seeing people being imprisoned under false circumstances, or I could be right that I'm seeing way too much violence, or I could be right about what I'm hearing in the music that I'm listening to and enjoying. I may be right in all of those things, but if I'm not effective in um, making, making some space for myself, or if I'm not effective in having some positive impact, on the people in my house or people that I love. You can't always have the impact that you want to have on the people that you care about the most. But if I'm ineffective in all of my avenues, if I'm financially ineffective, if I'm politically ineffective, if I'm socially ineffective, if I'm religiously ineffective, if I'm educationally ineffective, you know, fiscally ineffective, if I'm not wealth building or all these different type of things, if I'm ineffective, then I know no matter how right I am, then I'm wrong. Because if I can see that there's something wrong and I'm not able to be effective, then I'm living in rhetorical dogma, not doing nothing. That's not a space we want to be in. We want to be effective. Yeah, we want to be effective. So I can say, you know, I'm really like with Interrupted Motherhood and the story of Vanessa and, you know, um, my personal relationship to falling out with my children's father and things like, you know, the things that I really hate ever having to say, like about how that felt or what it was like or what happened. Honestly, it's all in the past and I survived and I don't know. So I stand up in the midst of it and I say, what have I gained? What have I lost? And what is the way forward? Yeah. You know, what is the victory? And so the victory just feels really good when I'm doing stuff. And when I, you know, so I like to live outside of the space of blaming the children's father for and then fill in the blank, true observations. Or, you know, wherever I am in those different conversations with, with my personal experience, the strongest thing I can do is say, how can I become, how can I be better than I was? How can I be better than I was? You mentioned family, so I have to go there with you. How has family impacted your personal journey and how important is family to you? 
Family is everything. Family is everything. And you kind of don't realize it until, you know, it's, it's under trial. I was talking to a friend the other day who has family who's moving far away to the other side of the country. And they came back to visit for a second. I was like, you know what? We used to do all the time. And I'm over there by myself. And we never get to do because I'm not there anymore. And it's just one of those ironic things that you can you can complain about your family. You can be really in a state of, you know, I mean, I fuss about when they're not around. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I say some and think some things that I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't have no business living in this mental space. But I'd be thinking it. Yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> if they catch me at the wrong moment in time. <laughs> I'm more than thinking it, okay? My mouth is set to fuss out some folks over nothing because I'm feeling undernourished. Uh, it's like the vitamin love deficiency. That's mm. what I talk about. It's like vitamin love, there's a deficiency. And it, there's been a deficiency for a long time, so we've kind of internalized this thing, and it's just breaking us down. But to answer your question, what is family to me? Family is everything. Yes. You know, you can have all the wealth in the world. You can have all the security in the world. You can love where you are in every way, but with nobody important to share it with, it's just, uh, it's nothing. Yeah. It really is nothing. So, you know, those relationships are always really important to me and always worth investing in. And I'm always looking for ways to replenish and refresh my, my family relationships. You know, we've kind of, in our culture, got to, you got to respect your mom. You got to respect your dads. You got to respect pops and all this kind of stuff is, is our definitely our default culturally. Like it's in our genetic makeup to be taking care of folks. Some folks it's in their makeup to be like, can't wait for you to go so I can spend all your money and steal all your stuff. But that's not our cultural disposition by nature. Yes. Um, we're family people and we're social people. Every one of us on yeah, earth absolutely. are social by nature. So family's everything to me. Like I definitely, definitely maintain and respect and really admire it's the biggest joy ever. Yes. You know, it's the biggest joy ever. You, you know? have a, a radio show in which you join up with Dr. Benita Kelly. Talk to me. It's your space where you share. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how much that means to you? Talk to me. FM radio is a really wonderful platform that I've been enjoying thoroughly. I went into that project developing a curriculum with Dr. Kelly. We were just talking about the things that we always talk about in the beauty parlor. We always talk about in the barbershop. We always talk about on the street corner. We always talk about, but we were trying to say these conversations need to move forward. And we as a community need to take responsibility for moving them forward right. because there's a huge they dialogue. They this, uh. they this, they this. You know how they are. They this, they that, the, this, they. And the fact of the matter is there is never a they, a him or an other that will do for me, us, myself and so forth. As much as I will. They are not going to retract their power and retreat their so what are we going yeah, to so do? The, the, yeah, so what are we going to do? <laughs> and that's kind of where we were coming from with it. And so we developed, we sat down and we developed five years of curriculum to talk about all this conversation that we've had for a long time. This conversation is too old. The conversation of disenfranchisement, marginalization, underemployment, uh, um, the over-execution of, of pen, penal systems on our people, the, you know, the you know, um, school-to-prison pipeline, the deterioration of neighborhood and community. We've had this conversation consistently for the entirety of my adulthood now. Yes. So that 
um, that gave us the idea to have a show. And it's a self-empowerment, community empowerment, talk radio platform where we're trying to say, okay, what can we do about these observations? What's the course of action? So the first idea is to develop these observations are valid. And then after the observations are validated, to say, yeah, these are the varying opinions on these valid observations. And these are possible courses of action. People who are already doing it. And here are ideas of what could happen for anybody who is interested in doing it. So it's really taking that conversation to another level by saying here are some action or a call to action that that is awesome i'm really thankful that you have joined in with us i always end the podcast by allowing our guests to speak a word of light to the listeners because our listeners range from all different women from different backgrounds from different perspectives and we just feel like whatever is on your heart to share, would you please share that with us, who those who may be listening, who may be trying to find their voice, trying to find a way to create a space for themselves? Yeah, I, um, I definitely could not offer any sound advice, but <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely offer a sage or a small piece of wisdom that I whisper to myself to keep going. Every dream matters. Not just to the dreamer, but every dream matters. And you'd be surprised that if you believe in your little dreams and make just a little effort every day, a little bit at a time, change can happen. Wow. Every dream matters. Yeah. Every dream matters. And change can happen. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Felicia, so much for sharing. Uh, Ms. Chappelle, you have been amazing. You are doing an amazing work, and I know that you are definitely impacting the lives of so many women and men across the world, so we thank you so much. And it's an honor to have you on the show, for sure. I want to direct you to Felicia Chappelle's website. It is www womenworkwonders.com to find out more information about her. And she also is on FM Radio 88.9. Talk to me. She is the co-host along with Dr. Vanita Kelly and they are on the air every first Thursday monthly at 9 p.m. So we are so thankful to have you. Thank you so much for being on with us on In Her Space. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irene Wade, in her space. So glad to be here. Yes. And so to our listening audience, um, go to www.inherspace.com. We are listed on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. So we ask that you subscribe today. We thank you so much for listening in. And until next time, be blessed.